This is Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Well, good day, Mr. Rensmeg. Episode 119 of Talk is Sheep. Here we are, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. We just keep moving forward, upwards and onwards, I guess. A couple of, you know, we've had such a great lineup of guests. We got a bunch of really exciting ones coming up, to be frank. And uh, and thank you to all our listeners for, for tuning in uh, each week. Uh, this one is, uh, I, I hate to say this, but it's not it's not one we want to have. Uh, obviously, love to have the great people from Wild Sheep Foundation Alberta chapter on. But uh, this one was a bit of a somber, uh, I guess, approach to it in the sense that Alberta's going through a movie outbreak right now and uh, mycoplasma ovi pneumonia disease outbreak. And uh, yeah, it's it's not great news for wild sheep in Alberta, that's for sure. No, it was uh, scary when those messages started rolling in from the, the team on the other side of the Rockies there and, uh, you know, finding out what they're going through and seeing, like, we know all too well about how devastating that could be as we are continually going through that and doing our best to fight it. Yeah, so we had uh, Matt Mellon, president of Wild Sheep Foundation Alberta, on. We've had the Alberta boys on before. We had uh, Paul and Mikey on and uh, had a great talk about the great work Alberta's doing out there uh, on the east side of the Rockies. And, um, you know, it was good to get Matt, their president, on. Unfortunately, Matt couldn't make that podcast. So we wanted to connect with Matt anyway, and we did have a great discussion about the great work that's going on in Alberta there. But the focus, obviously, was this disease event and... Um, so for those of you that uh, are interested, um, and you know, I suggest that you, you follow along. Alberta's done a really good job of uh, sort of articulating what's going on and where they are, and there, there's some, some updates. I know things have changed since Matt and I talked on Friday, even since then. So, um, but it, it sounds like they've, the Alberta government's been very proactive. They jumped right on this, and, uh, and hopefully there's, uh, you know, there's some, this is the end of it, um, but uh, obviously we see a mycoplasma of pneumonia extending its ugly arms over to the east side of uh, the Rockies. Yeah, they're uh, actually the, the Alberta latest update they posted on their Instagram was kind of kind of hopeful. They they seem fairly confident that it might be contained, so we're all keeping our fingers crossed for that situation. To so hope hopefully it is contained because man. The, we don't need that coming back on anywhere else. It's just. Yeah, for sure. And kind of from a selfish perspective, I know people, you know, what's one of the things I talked to Matt about on this is like, hey, how close are you to the BC border? Because wild sheep don't know uh, borders, obviously. And, you know, obviously we share sheep across there. Sounds like it's in the most eastern part of the province um, around Highway 22. So it um, doesn't seem like an immediate BC problem. But uh, regardless, it's, uh, you know, not, not a great, great feel, not a great vibe, especially, you know, Alberta coming off a record fundraiser and just so much energy and then having to deal with this. But, hey, that's the reality. That's why we exist. This is what we do. We look after wild sheep and and we're just doing our job here. So I guess this is this is one of the things that keeps us in business. Uh, we don't welcome it. We don't like it. But um, you know, as a conservation organization, that's what Alberta does. That's what we do here in BC. And um, you know, it's uh, it's the reality of our situation, and we just have to do the best we can. Yeah, and you know, it's when you say it, the sheep know no borders. Um, I think our membership speaks for that as well. So. 
countless of our members and countless of their members are members of both organizations and we all recognize that our sheep are their sheep and their sheep are our sheep it's those rockies uh don't hold those don't hold those sheep back they like to travel and they're on both sides of the border every day yeah well said greg um before we jump into the podcast here um talk to me what's going on with the uh with our our conservation partner frontiersman gear i think they got so yesterday was a big day for them a really exciting day let's talk about that yeah last night uh frontiersman gear uh released their through their eyes film uh at 6 6 p.m on youtube they did a giveaway it's pretty well received for as far as i can tell there was lots of people tuning in to watch it um you know it's it's a it's a neat film. If you haven't had the chance to watch it, I'd head over to the Frontiersman Gear YouTube page and check it out. It's it's showing hunting through the eyes of a hunter, but it's got a neat perspective on it. And you know, it's I'm I'm happy we're a part of it. And you know, that's I thought it was outstanding. My family loved it. Uh, we we all tuned in, sat around the TV last night, and threw on YouTube and enjoyed a a solid film with some solid people. Hundred uh, percent. It's uh, it is a great film, and congratulations to Tanner and his crew at Frontiersman Gear for putting it together. It was interesting. We premiered this at uh, our Northern Fundraiser in Dawson Creek in February, and uh, Kelly Coffee, who's our bookkeeper, who's a non-hunter, although she, you know, uh, firmly believes in what we do as a society. She's one of our Monarch members, and she said that's the kind of hunting film we need. We need more of that. She goes, that's one of the best hunting films I've ever seen in my life. Um, so it was rave reviews from hunters and non-hunters. Um, my wife as well, who has never pulled the trigger on an animal. Um, you know, she just thought it was amazing as well. So yeah, really cool, really good feedback and uh, really great to see. And I, I expect they'll be doing more cool films like this in the future, but uh, congratulations to Frontiersman Gear for a great film and, and uh, really glad to be part of it. Yeah, they actually, this morning, uh, bright and early, they they did their giveaway, and uh, Tanner and Jeff were talking live on Instagram about uh, a couple more films in the works this year. So I'm uh, excited, looking forward to them, if they're anything like this one, because through our eyes, that's, uh, that's one you got to share. Like, share it with, non-hunters share it with everybody you know that one's it speaks volumes for what we do yeah and it's it's interesting like i'm not going to spoil it but you know for those of our listeners that haven't maybe heard this before or seen the seen it before check it out because uh it's it's very interesting like it it you know there's no crazy um you know kill shots and stuff like that but then there's there's the you know the blood and stuff and and it, like it's a very genuine film it it reflects on the important stuff and the consumptive part of it you know they're they're removing the back straps and stuff it's just the way it's done is it's definitely unique it's something that a hunter will like and love and enjoy and certainly a non-hunter i think you know if they they have any degree of uh open-mindedness that they, they they would connect with it as well so yeah hats off to frontiersman gear awesome yeah absolutely what do you say we uh, we roll into this podcast and let everyone tune into what's going on in Alberta? Episode 119, Mr. Matt Mellon, President of Wild Sheep Foundation, Alberta. Enjoy. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Swarovski Optic. Thank you, Sitka Gear and Swarovski Optic, for investing in healthy wildlife 
and sustainable ecosystems. Well, Mr. Matt Mellon, president of the Wild Sheep Foundation, Alberta, welcome to Talk is Sheep. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's weird, right? We hang out at, a, you know, you're out at our show, we hang out in Reno and chat lots and it's like, uh, but it's kind of fun to get on here and let people hear what's going on. And and this, I think this is a great opportunity to catch up and lots of great things coming out of Alberta. Some stuff that I know that you don't want coming out of Alberta right now too, but, uh, and I think that's a great opportunity to catch up and see where we're at with, with all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You guys got a good thing going on with that podcast and, or this podcast, and I'm happy to be here. So cool. So let's talk about some good stuff to start with. Um, 833, was it like ridiculous, man? The Edmonton was off the hook. I'm hearing. Yeah, we had a good attendance. I mean, obviously anytime you move, uh, you know, where we've been for 23 years, there's some, uh, um apprehension to doing that and and our members let us know that they're still there for us and uh they all came to edmonton and we had a really successful convention show so awesome so was it kind of the same format you know that you guys have always done was there any changes there like obviously the new venue but was there new stuff that you had going on yeah well this year we added um we added a couple things i guess uh so we added a VIP night. Um, we did like a cigar and whiskey tasting with our kind of corporate sponsors, the people that have kind of stepped up $5,000 and beyond. Um, just as a show of our appreciation, some of them have been there for over 11 years. So that was something new. It was fun. It was casual. Um, you know, it's, it, it's the wild sheep family. So it's always, it's always a good time. Um, so we rolled out of that into a bus and back to the convention center where we, um, where we kicked off our Friday night social to a packed room. I don't know. I'm not sh- even sure what we ended up with. I think we sold around 250 tickets and we kept letting people in the door. So, um, so that was well attended. We did backpack races for the first year this year with Stone Glacier. Um, they, they, uh, sent us some backpacks and, uh, a bag full of goodies. And, and that was a lot of fun. I think a lot of people really enjoyed, enjoyed that. And I, uh, heck, I even think I saw my dad laughing at one point, so it must've been pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> um, yeah, we did our, we do a pack horse race that's near and dear to a lot of our, uh, horse people. Um, it's always a good time as well. Um, so we did that, um, all on Friday night. So it was a busy, busy Friday and uh and yeah uh, this year we changed things up a little bit and we moved our agm out of our banquet weekend um just to focus more on the making money for the foundation and maybe a little bit less on internal politics and so that let us have more of a life members brunch which after friday night a lot of people appreciated so <laughs> uh and yeah then we went into a few seminars um Unfortunately, we had a snowy mountain rifles out of Montana was supposed to make it up, but they got held up at the border with a gun. So they didn't make it for a seminar, but, uh, you know, we had things on mountain packing and nutrition. Uh, Ian Gaisley was there with the University of Alberta, gave an update on our collaring project and just sheep management practices uh, kind of throughout North America and in Alberta. And yeah, then we bounced into the big moneymaker, 800 33 people so well and from what i understand there was uh 
the oil oil patch is doing pretty strong and the money was there in the room you guys were i was hearing ridiculous numbers on like prices on stuff yeah i mean the it's been a bit of a critique we've had over the last few years people have complained that they don't want to donate us hunts they go too cheap it doesn't do the hunt any uh any favors and um to be honest kyle i don't know what we've done different but the money has been in the room the support has been there um you know we sold a moose hunt for forty one thousand dollars um so i i am humbled by it uh for sure and um and hopefully it attracts bigger and better as we move the move this thing forward so um yeah i i don't know where people are getting the money right now i i missed the memo on it but uh we've certainly <laughs> seen it through a lot of our different auctions throughout north america how well some of these tags are doing so um it's encouraging and it's awesome right the net benefactor is wild sheep right so it's like you know people are like you know you oh yeah it was so expensive that's ridiculous but what's our mission what's our mandate like uh, you know take three seconds to reflect and this is a good thing and it's uh, the resource needs it wild sheep needs us more than they ever have which we're going to get to in a second mm -hmm. and um you know i think it's it's freaking awesome to be frank I, I do too. Everybody's got an opportunity to put their hand in the air. It is not an exclusive club by any means, but I understand um, I'm in the same boat as a lot of those people when it comes to buying those tags, but, um, but we love the support. So, Well, and the cool thing about our fundraising models that typically fall in the conservation community, certainly in the wild sheep community is, you know, yeah, you got your big auction items and they're expensive. Quite often there's cheaper auction items. There'll be backpacks and stuff on that. But even if that's a little too rich for some, which it is, and I get that and I respect that, you know, there's raffles, there's silent auction. Like, it's not like you can't find a place. And you know what? Come there and have a hell of a good time. You don't necessarily have to buy a hunt or you don't. Yeah, every little bit helps buy a $20 raffle ticket. It all helps to put and keep our sheep on the mountain, right? Absolutely. I mean, it. It, there, there's an opportunity everywhere and uh you know we try and do a good job on that to represent you know all walks of life with our uh with our silent auction and our and our you know our uh, raffles and such so um and they they continue to do really well so fantastic and you guys had some pretty cool raffles they had that uh gunworks climber you had up and you had uh that uh sierra alamo or al campo uh Desert sheep hunt. So, um, who ended up winning that? Do you, I don't remember seeing who. Oh, was. geez. Uh, it was actually a fella in the room, and his name is escaping me right now. But he was pretty, cool. pretty darn excited about it, and uh, and so I know uh, Jacob over there is is pretty excited as well, and um, he was following along too. So that's kind of cool, and and uh, that's what we want to see. You know, we want to give our sponsors. Um, the best bang for their buck is essentially what our job is. Right. Um, so yeah. 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 It's a, it's a great hunt. Uh, we've worked with CRL the last couple of years too. I think this is our third year and uh, yeah, they just, that's a great hunting opportunity and just a uh, pretty cool spot to, I think Jacob told me their highest peak in, in their area is 3000 feet. Like you're hunting sheep at sea level, which is <laughs> just b bizarre, man. It's so cool. Yeah. And, you know, they're really, really passionate conservation people, which I think is like the icing on the cake, right? Uh, he sent me all the videos and him packing around the little desert bighorn lambs and, and you know, all the health testing that they do with their herd. Um, 
I honestly was almost wanted to approach him about selling a, you know, a tour of their operation when they, when they're working up the bighorn sheep. Cause I, I know I would love to be there for that. And I know our membership would too. So it'd be something neat to see, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm, like I said, the, the conservation on top of it all is, is the icing on the cake for sure. Yeah, absolutely. They've won uh, several awards. They won. Uh, uh, what was that war- award out of Montreal that they just won? He flew out there and uh, there was three, I believe, um, uh, outfitters in Mexico that received that award. And the other one was, um, uh, what was the three of them? Did you see that, that the, the award they won? It, it was, I think it's the UN award that they won. I'll have to look it up now. I'm not doing a service. I've, it's escaping me, but. Uh, I'm going to have uh, to look it up too, Kyle, because I, I, that's kind of the first I've heard of it. And, you know, Jacob and I had talked about the, is it the president's award that he received from national in 2021? Uh, I, know, I don't think that was it either, but uh, we're not. You no, know, it probably isn't, right but, now, but yeah. oh man. Yeah. Anyhow, a lot on the mind the last couple of days, but they represent themselves very well anyhow yeah they are an award-winning outfitter and done a great job and, and they are very conservation oriented um and it's it's pretty inspiring for sure so um okay enough about sheep hunting uh, let's talk about um what's going on in alberta so uh you talked about the agm moving off your your show date and that, i guess that's in april you got some vacancies for directors or what's going on with that april 1st uh we're going to hold an agm here in red deer uh just somewhere a little bit central um trying to attract as much membership as we can to come out uh and yeah every year half our board is up for re-election so um this year it's going to be our treasurer our vice president our southern director and then four uh regular board directors um so so yeah, uh, right now we don't have any vacancies. Uh, the board is is all is all full, um, but you know half the board is up for re-election, and that's our kind of our time for our membership to come in and say, yay or nay, or put in some new blood, and and then you know we'll reform some committees and off to the races all over again. So yeah, I do it all over again. And I think you said you're not up for another year. You're on year going into year two of your term. That's right. Yeah. Uh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. We just had ours last weekend and got our board cemented again. It's always a bit of a, a daunting time, a little, little nervous time for those that are up for election. Right. So yeah, it's good to get it out in the rear view mirror for sure. Cause yeah, just get after, get after looking after sheep and not worrying so much about governance. Right. So. Yeah. And to be honest, like I'm kind of looking forward to this year's AGM and usually I dread them, right. You, you're, you're trying to be well-spoken. You're trying to you know, keep things on a timely task because of everything else we have going on. And this year, yeah, I think we're going to have a great AGM. Um, Alberta government's going to come and put on a horn aging seminar and kind of walk us through the uh, registration process of a sheep. Um, and hopefully we're actually going to plug a few sheep right there. Um, they're going to walk us through the whole thing. So Grant Chapman's going to come uh, from Alberta government and uh, Matt Besco is going to do his best to come as well. Uh, so something, something to give to our membership and maybe entice some people to, to show up and get a little bit more than just some financials in a election. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And love that you're tying it in with something, right? Like if 
people rarely will go to an AGM unless there's a reason for it. And if that's the case, you probably, <laughs> that's not always a good thing either, right? Because they're fired up about something. But uh, if they got a reason to go there for horn aging or whatever the case may be, it's a great opportunity. Well, and that was the thing. I think we worried about having good attendance. We wanted to appear transparent. Um, and so this was a good way to entice people to come. So nice. Yeah, very good. Cool. Um, all right. So big news of Alberta and we kind of been delaying it and uh, a little sobering, I guess, a bit somber subject, but uh, take us through what you've gone through the last couple of days, Matt. Um, yeah, I mean, sombering is kind of an understatement. Uh, you know, I kind of preface this with, uh, this is exactly what we've been warning, uh, about for the last, and since I've been here anyhow, and the day has come, uh, I took a phone call, um, from David Park, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, he said, we have a emergent situation developing in Southern Alberta. Uh, we just launched a helicopter and we are, you know, we are euthanizing bighorn sheep, uh, due to the discovery of a Moby. And to be honest, I wanted to hang up my phone and run away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I sent out a letter to our membership. Uh, basically what, what's gone on is, is there was reports of some dead bighorn sheep in the Blue Rock Wildland Provincial Park. Um, government dispatched some biologists to the area. They did confirm six dead bighorn sheep. Uh, there was a seventh, uh, displaying signs of severe respiratory distress and coughing. Um, the decision was made to close the park to the public, uh, euthanize that sheep and send it for testing. Uh, so they were able to do that. And on Monday, kind of our our worst fears were were realized in that um, that we did have a movi in our bighorn sheep population. Um, at the time, they kept the park closed. Our, we were able to leverage our relationships with bighorn helicopters and the Alberta government and ourselves to ensure that funding was there in this kind of emergent, no questions asked response. Um, on Tuesday, the helicopter was dispatched, um, uh, where they were tasked with, uh, euthanizing the remaining animals in this, it's a relatively small herd of, of bighorn sheep. Um, so that's what they did. Uh, and and unfortunately that that's kind of what has happened. So, um, you know, next steps are, are monitoring, monitoring how effective we've been in these efforts. Uh, I know the helicopter was out yesterday and today, again, monitoring this kind of uh, exclusion zone, if you want to call it that, uh, of the immediate area. Um, at this time, they're quite positive that they've got uh, all the bighorn sheep um, in that uh, infect- infected area. And right now we're monitoring several other uh, groups of sheep uh, with right now that are displaying no signs of infection. Uh, But our biologists are literally sitting on the mountain all day. Um, Careful not to disturb these sheep, careful not to push these sheep anywhere. Uh, But we're, you know, they're just, they're, they're sitting there watching, looking for any coughing, any 
any signs of a movie, nasal drip, uh, whatever's going on. Um, my, my understanding is they've also put listening devices in the trees. <laughs> and uh, I kind of had a chuckle about that because, you know, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but they're listening for animals coughing and, mm-hmm. um, and, and ones that have maybe left the herd and, and gone to bed in trees and such. So, um, which can happen in the hours of darkness when we're not able to observe the, the animals. So, um, so that's kind of what's going on there. We're going to continue to monitor these sheep for at least three months. Um, we are working with the lab out of Saskatoon to kind of identify the genealogy of this strain of a movie. Um, that's going to be a huge telltale of the kind of the causable element and the vector of where it came from. Uh, and from there, um, we should have a pretty good idea of exactly what the kind of um, mechanism of transmission has been. So, uh, uh, yeah, you know, like I said to our membership, there's some stuff that we've done right here. It wasn't intentional, but it certainly is going to aid in the um, in in the next steps. Uh, at least one of our collared rams was involved in this uh, in in this uh, euthanized and dead herd. Um, one thing there that's uh, good is that that sheep was had a full uh, health checkup, I guess if you want to call it that way. Last year when we collared it, it was swabbed. It was negative for a movie. Uh, it now is is positive for a movie, so we can tell where it's been in the last twelve months. And more importantly, probably the last two weeks and um, and help narrow down that gap of, of where this transmission occurred, as well as the mortality alert that went off on that caller um, may have saved us a huge headache here as well. Um, we were able to to both confirm that there were dead sheep in there as well as when when the the alberta government sent its biologists in there that it was a red a huge red flag um what else do i say about the callers i think that's all i can say about them for now uh the larger herd has our collared rams in it as well so they're going to be easy to track uh but there's no issue in losing sight of them right now um some other things that Alberta has done well in conjunction with our government is we have identified a lot of these farm flocks that that reside in this in this particular area and by no you know by no accident this has been long identified as a as an area that's most likely to have a an outbreak so um, we've identified where the farm flocks are uh, we we put in a project through our minister special license funding um, I think we took sixty thousand dollars there and we are testing a lot of these farm flocks um, for a movie so that that's something that we're already doing you know we've put a lot of education into these farms about what a movie is and how it affects our wild sheep um, so that legwork that we've kind of done pre outbreak is going to be um it's going to be well utilized i think in in the next steps of of finding the vector of where this this outbreak came from so uh you know it it just kind of goes to speak uh the risk is really out there and um 
And that's what we were trying to prove in our collaring project that these rams do travel into these areas where there is risk of transmission, that these farms do exist within these areas. And then, you know, the third step was going to be to show that that these farm flocks are testing positive for a movie. And I guess nature just kind of beat us to it. And, and, you know, they couldn't wait for us to release the news. They went and did it on their own. So. Yeah. Um, you know, quite often, as we know, a lot of these herds are like, they're connective. You know, there's a lot of interaction, obviously, you know, you call it the, the sheep and then that one that was, uh, Part of your collaring was independent of the other ones, so broken off from the big herd. Uh, are there a lot of herds nearby that you feel that there could be? Like, obviously, you guys are monitoring, but is there is there a lot of interaction, a lot of connectivity that you're worried about uh, these other herds nearby? I think it's something that you're always really worried about, um, and that's where my mind jumped right away: is how far behind the eight ball are we already? And um, so, conversations with government, and uh, you know guys that have boots on the ground over there they feel quite positive um no pun intended but they feel quite positive that this band of rams has basically wintered right here all winter and um they haven't been uh they haven't been around to um to other groups these are kind of wintering groups um they they don't they're not traveling a whole lot right now and and they they feel quite confident in that but obviously we're going to do our due diligence to ensure that that is correct so okay good that's good to hear that's uh that's positive for sure because uh, as you know with us and that whole fraser river ecosystem we've pretty much got it certainly on the west side of the river and um i think to a lesser capacity on the east as well but it's certainly uh once it gets out there, it gets out there, but maybe, maybe there's a lot more connectivity. Obviously we have a lot of isolated herds too. Right. So. Um, yeah. I think that just kind of speaks to the, the quickness of the government's reaction in, in trying to mitigate this, this risk. Um, we won't be able to fully mitigate the risk as long as we still have, um, you know, domestic sheep coming in contact with our, with our big horns. But um, you know, I, I think, they're going to come under a little bit of fire for, you know, uh, euthanizing these animals. But I think in an acute, um, an acute, uh, exposure or, or outbreak that this is, this isn't a chronic issue in this area right now, but it is an acute outbreak. I think this is the proper way to handle it. Um, you know, euthanizing six sheep is is not anything any of us want to do, but I think it it is shape, saved thousands of sheep at this time. So, yeah, for sure, it's a hard one for the public to get their brain around, right? We kind of understand it a little bit, certainly in BC here, where we've been doing the test and remove now for a uh, better part of four years. We've got a pretty good handle on it, but when the general public they don't quite understand that and they just see dead sheep, they don't really. Yeah, it's it's hard to articulate, and I think I think there's a little bit of stuff circulating on the in the out there in the news right now that are to that kind of effect. That's probably not helping matters, I would imagine. No, and I think that the science that does support that, um, you know, that test and remove 2.0, um, I, I it is more my feeling that 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 is a proper way to do with a chronic outbreak uh you know what more what you guys are maybe dealing with in in bc where it is there and it is it is going to be there to stay for some time it's not feasible to kill all the sheep that have maybe come in contact um 
I think at this time, we, the government just recognized they had a very small window to enact on and, uh, and, and possibly just mitigate this off the landscape before uh, springtime came and these rams started to travel again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, what does it look like? You talked about you guys like have had the opportunity to sort of um, pinpoint some flocks of domestic sheep and that sort of stuff. Um, do, do you feel that there's a vector to, nearby? Like, is this something that the government's kind of said, hey, we're really concerned about this farm here? And what does that look like for you guys? I Knowing full well there's privacy issues because it's private farms and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, I, you know, uh, I think that's exactly it. I don't know that there's any commercial herds in this area. They are kind of the, you know, hobby farms, for lack of a better word, um, mom and pop kind of operations where they maybe have a half a dozen, a dozen sheep. Um, and yeah, we, the uh, Ann Hubs has helped us a lot here where she has, um, she's gone out and identified a lot of these farms in these fringe areas that we kind of already have an exclusion zone. Well, we do, we have a 50 kilometer exclusion zone for domestic sheep and goats on uh, public and, and commercial land. So that would be uh, grazing leases, but where our legislation falls short is addressing the private land. And that's exactly what we're dealing with here is, is the private land and these small operations. Um, you know, where they feed their sheep all winter long and our sheep come out of the mountains and, you know, what's that over there? You know, looks like some good feed. They, they bump on in and, um, and then we have, you know, a possible vector of transmission. But, um, but yeah, we've done a lot of work in the last two years on identifying those farms. Uh, this year's next steps were to start swabbing those farms with permission. Obviously, it's not something that is mandated. Um, you know, today I learned that some of these farmers are already doing this. They are already doing a test and remove. Um, I was under, unaware of that. Uh, I think that is really positive stuff. I hope that one of them is going to write us a bit of an article to put in our magazine to send out to our membership and, and beyond. Um, something that he's totally doing on his own dime that he's, you know, not even being provoked, uh, by any of us to do, but he is, uh, He's a conservationist himself and, and just recognizes if he wants to have domestic sheep around that this is, this is what he needs to do. Um, but yeah, we have spent a lot of time identifying these farms and they, they are right there in that area. So okay, the risk is there. Uh, so you talked about Ann Hubs. Now, uh, for our listeners in BC here, we have a provincial um, sheep separation coordinator. His name is Jeremy Ayotte. And uh, funding comes from uh, the Ministry of uh, well, HTTF primarily. Um, and now I think there's a little bit of ag money that's flowing towards them. Of course, we, we support the program. Do you guys have a similar program like that in, in Alberta? Or is that the government that looks after that aspect of it? A, a separation division? Is that what you're asking? Well, effectively a coordinator that will go to uh. these farms and have a discussion with the owner and say, Hey, your, your sheep pose a risk here in sheep range. And, you know, we'd like to be proactive here. Can we work with you? Could we test um, that sort of thing? So, yeah, Anne is our provincial bighorn specialist. So um, very passionate lady about our sheep. Um, she's kind of taken that on herself. And I know she has a lot of roles in that position, but 
this has been deemed as, as obviously our largest risk to our bighorn sheep population. So, and um, Anne has taken that on and is, is pushing that forward. Um, we could definitely use some more involvement from it, our, our agriculture people, but um, it kind of is what it is right now. Um, it's still developing. It's been deemed as something not worthwhile, I think, from, from the agricultural side, but hopefully this week's events kind of put that back on the forefront. So, Yeah, right on. Um, it's interesting. So we have that program here, and it's... Uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tough work. It's interesting in the, the tri-state. So, uh, Idaho, uh, Oregon, Washington, they actually have a coordinator as well. And I think the three wild sheep chapters and then the three governments put money towards this coordinator and that coordinator does the same thing, goes out and, and works with other, uh, with, uh, you know, um, uh, producers and that sort of thing to, to have this dialogue and do what they can to, you know, encourage separation. So, yeah, I get, we all have our own programs. It's interesting to hear what each and every one's doing. So, um, yeah. yeah. And to be honest, I feel like us at wild sheep have kind of been the liaison between the two groups, um, between agriculture and between it used to be environment and parks. I guess it's now forestry parks and tourism is the new, um, ministry, I, I suppose, but, um, but yeah, we've been kind of pulling them together in rooms to get these talks going and to, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just to introduce each other, but, uh, you know, I always get kind of poked fun at because, uh, I'm the new guy on the block and maybe I'm a bit naive, but I try to use that naive being naive to my advantage and just, uh, being able to ask these hard questions of, of why why we're not doing more so awesome so do you guys i know like quite often i see you matt i'm a <clears throat> life life member of alberta and, and see your guys' social and stuff and i see you, you're quite active with uh uh well the old minister of environment um but the new minister uh mr minister lowen um what you know what kind of work do you do you guys do with ag and have you had any inroads there have you had any success and and you talked about an exclusion earlier i didn't quite follow that so you can maybe talk a little bit about policy right now if you don't mind yeah so and i hope i don't get this wrong because i always kind of struggle to to understand this exactly but in alberta we kind of break down the province i mean there's huntable units we call them wildlife management units and then for sheep, we kind of stuff all the sheep areas into sheep management areas or SMAs. So uh, what my understanding of how this policy works is, you know, on public land and, and uh, grazing lease land, there is a 50 kilometer buffer around these SMAs uh, where there is, there is not to be uh, domestic sheep or goats um, utilized in inside of them so farmed on grazing leases uh you know a ski hill can't use them to to eat vegetation um think things like that people can't use pack goats um none of that can go on in these areas so that that is the legislation that's there now um we would like to see that legislation obviously um, one of two things we can we can broaden the exclusion zone to uh, include private land or we can add a 
you know, promote herd health of our domestic sheep on the, on the private land where we do testing and, and removal of infected uh, domestic sheep. Um, that's where our policy is lacking right now. And um, we, we bump up against agriculture there. Um, as you know, it's not usually a fatal disease to our domestic sheep. Um, so there is a real hesitancy to kind of invoke new legislation on these sheep owners uh, that they need to test, that they need to treat, that they need to, to do all this stuff. Um, we've assured them we would soak up every dime of that cost of treating these sheep, of replacing these sheep with healthy sheep, and then continuing to test these flocks. They're just... Um, there just isn't a desire to do that at this time from from the agricultural side so yeah it's it's tough hey eh? it's uh and when we've seen this too uh, you know and interesting is is that um there's a lot of producers that are keen to work like you just mentioned this this gentleman this producer that um, does his own testing and everything like that at his own cost which is uh, and that's been kind of one of our argument when we meet with ag is like, Hey, we're, we don't expect you to do this on your own. This is a collaboration. Um, and we're getting that buy-in here in, in the province too of BC. And like there's producers out there. Uh, Jennifer Bowes is one of them. And she, she's the, the lady that's featured in our film transmission there. And she's just a, like a, 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 I don't even know how to describe it, what she does and how much she cares about the environment and wild sheep is phenomenal. And she's really kind of growing that and so i'm seeing the changes like the, the positive changes in the province for the disease issues and it's coming from the domestic producer side but it's not coming from the top down it's coming from the bottom up which is like grassroots that's like it doesn't get any better than that right but sadly no. we're not really getting the buy-in from the top as much as we'd like to yeah and so i mean um i i agree you know i think we're all you know we're all around the same campfire to steal a quote from you guys, I guess, you know, whether we're, uh, whether we're um, ranchers or uh, producers or, uh, you know, hunters and conservationists, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to be, to, to be done there and we're not very far apart. So, you know, I've always said, you know, most of us are 98% going in the same direction. We shouldn't let the 2% divide us. So, um, so I think we're there. I, I, I think, you know, change is always scary and nobody wants the finger pointed at them. And we, we want to avoid pointing the finger um, as much as we can. And we just want to be here to help. And, uh, and who doesn't want healthy sheep, whether, you know, it's your kids 4-H project or, you know, you just like having them around. Why wouldn't you want them healthy? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, great points. Um, okay. So now give me a perspective. You talked about where this outbreak occurred. How, just from a purely selfish reason, how close is this to the BC border? Like, are we talking like this is an issue for us too? Um, no, at this time, like this sheep herd, uh, I'll use a highway here in Alberta. It's called highway 22. Um, we can look it up on a map, but it's not, it's not right against the border. It's, it's referred to as the cowboy highway, I guess, but this sheep herd uh, was visible right from that highway um, and may have even crossed that highway at times. So um, that, that I think um, is, is again, positive And I think even points even stronger to probably where 
uh, the transmission occurred. It's very eastern uh, part of where our um, our bighorn sheep will travel to. So, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, now, for our listeners, anyone that's out there in the backcountry, maybe in the foothills, hiking around, or the Rockies, um, what do they do? How can they help you guys? What can they do to support um, you know this outbreak? And and what are they looking for? I guess. Yeah. So actually great question. Cause I think I, I really thought about that last night. Um, and I think that's going to be some topics that are really going to come out of this. Um, if you find a bighorn sheep, get a hold of us. You know, if, if there's no de- defined, uh, causation of disease, you know, it's just a dead bighorn sheep laying there. It's not a wolf kill. It's not a sheep kill. Uh, maybe there's more than one. Um, call wild sheep foundation, Alberta, uh, call the government. If you don't hear back, keep pushing it up. Um, when that, when the right person hears that, uh, that message, there's going to be alarm bells going off and, and people are going to take that really seriously. Um, you know, we've, we've put out signs in the past to warn people about um, what a movie is and that you can't have domestic sheep or goats. You can't have pack goats. We've put them at trailheads. Um, one regret that I, you know, was having yesterday is we don't tell people what to do if, you know, if they find a dead bighorn and, and there's no definitive causation of death. Um, that's maybe a miss on our behalf and, and something that we're definitely going to rectify. Um, but, uh, but that's what I would, I would say, I mean, call us, email me whatever it is and we'll get the right people on it but um uh that i i just can't say that strongly enough so the quicker we can act on it the better so awesome okay that sounds great uh anything else for our listeners about this outbreak that uh i missed to ask you about matt you know it's uh it's obviously still a developing story uh we're we're gonna have to um kind of ride it out for now uh we're going to be asking our volunteers for some help um in monitoring this sheep herd um the government reached out yesterday you know they're talking about uh they're talking about testing and collaring some more sheep out of this uh out of this herd that's close this big herd that's close um they want to test and monitor so um, that's a big, big undertaking. It costs a lot of money. I mean, the collars alone are probably a thousand dollars a piece. Um, you know, drop nets aren't cheap. Helicopter time isn't cheap. Um, darting rams, you run into a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, risk there too, of harming, harming the animal. So, um, so there's going to be an ask to our membership uh, to volunteer um, to go up on the mountain and sit with some sheep for a day. Um, there's there's going to be a financial component to this, which then brings in probably our minister special license funding front and center um, for this kind of emergency funding. You know, we do keep uh, a fund of our life membership money uh, around for just such a thing. Um, you know, we have you know, yourselves as our neighbors. Um, I've spoken to Wild Sheep National, Kevin and Gray Thornton. Um, they've assured me there's funding available should we need it. Um, 
but right now we're just we are sitting on bated breath that uh that these other sheep uh remain healthy and um and then obviously we need to tackle legislation so okay well i don't envy you buddy um in some ways i was it's interesting i was thinking what's going to happen first alberta get movie or we get um the uh a cwd right so uh, mm. i guess i'm sure we got cwd too here but it's just not reported and just like you probably had movie and you didn't know it so uh, yeah not good but uh no i appreciate it we feel for you guys and obviously your your brothers to brothers and sisters of the westy are here to support you guys wherever we can and um so let's let's segue off this a little bit and let's talk a little bit out you guys have done a great job on uh building the well Sheep foundation alberta lots of great stuff going on um and uh so projects let's talk about where the money's going what are you guys uh supporting uh what's the big stuff over and above the movie stuff right now yeah so movie i mean a movie is like kind of the unsexy project right like it's disease it's medical it's blah but um but damn i'm proud that we've done the stuff that we've done uh now that we're up against this but um you know our collaring project was a big a big project that we've undertook we're expanding it by another 40 callers this year it does it does a, a, a number of things but you know to talk about a movie it, it it talks about our risk uh you know the data shows where these rams travel um but the data also shows their habitat selection it it shows traditional travel routes um so much so that we can sit down on a computer and you know a, a ram might sit around in a group for two months but then when he decides to go on foray you know by the first two points of of where he ended up on a ridge where he's going and they get to be that predictable so that that helps us in in planning things like prescribed burn um you know areas of travel are always um risky for our bighorn sheep when it comes to depredation ambush predators like cougars uh and wolverine so um so our collaring is doing that um that and more i mean it's showing you know in the ghost where ghost uh, valley where we had that big burn it's showing that they they're selecting that as suitable habitat um not that we needed any more science to support how good these these burns are but um but again it's supporting that and uh you know i think even brian Macbeth out of banff national park they've collaborated with us on this and and he said like he had three of his rams leave the park and now reside in that burn um you know and that's a huntable area of alberta but they've they've chosen that habitat as home now so um so very interesting data comes out of our callers obviously um we've really been pushing habitat enhancement in alberta um the need for prescribed burns uh and good quality prescribed burns is a must. Um, we worked with the Alberta government, uh, with Alberta wildfire and forestry and agriculture and parks uh, to expand a burn. So we kind of took an existing vegetation management strategy in the Evan Thomas Ribbon Creek area, just outside of Kananaskis Canmore. And we took a essentially a 200 hectare burn and we turned it into a 8,000 hectare burn. Um, just by moving moving some of the burn lines um 
to best, you know, enhance our, our wild sheep found, or sorry, our wild sheep habitat. Uh, and I mean, it's going to benefit everything from the little itty bitty bird that likes to collect grass seeds to the grizzly bears, to the elk, mule deer, and moose. But, um, but that's something I think that we should be proud of. I've been working with Minister Lowen on ensuring those fire breaks are going in this spring uh, so that we can potentially burn in the fall if we get the right conditions. Um, we're very active as well in our uh, predator management. Uh, we have a few programs out. We work with our trappers to give them incentive to um, trap wolves in uh, sheep management areas, uh, as well as houndsmen. Um, a problem that we kind of identified was that we do have a lot of opportunity to hunt cougars in Alberta. However, a lot of these mountain zones that are deep within sheep management areas are not, the quota is, isn't being fulfilled. So we are trying to, you know, when we talk to our houndsmen, they say it's just too hard to get there. There's too much effort. It's not, it's not worth it. Uh, um, to go into those areas to close out those tags um, to help address, you know, some, maybe some of these specialist uh, predators that we have out there. You know, we're very involved in our youth. Uh, we put on a big youth camp every year. Uh, Paul Chambers, our Northern Rockies director, has done a great job with that over the last three years. Uh, and I think he has a lot of fun doing it. He's their size. So, <laughs> uh, got a bug, Paul. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, and that's kind of, I mean, that's the gist of what we really have going on right now. Um, Alberta hasn't been involved in our trans in translocating sheep in a few years. Um, but I mean, that is incentive. Why if Alberta is doing well, then the rest of North America does well as, uh, as well. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what we got going on in a nutshell. I feel like I've missed something there, but um, running on a little bit of lack of sleep here the last couple of days. So, yeah, no doubt you've had a full plate. So we'll forgive you if you skipped. A, that's a pretty healthy list, man. It's uh, really inspiring, and it's good to see that some really good things are going. And and that that's the other side of it too, right? So if anyone ever criticizes that, we don't always need to spend every penny. Like you know, we have this scenario we've got this outbreak and you know there was a chunk of money that you guys needed and you had it and it was sitting there and this won't be the first and there's going to be opportunities that come up too. So yeah, for, kudos to you and the team for, for all you're doing there. Yeah. And just to give people an idea, um, I am not sure we haven't gotten a bill yet, but I mean, you're probably looking at $20,000 a day for that helicopter to, to fly around 15 right. to 20, depending on the hours that they put in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well done. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit. You mentioned Minister Lowen. So Mr. Lowen's the incoming uh, minister. He's just new to the portfolio. Um, I'm not even going to try and say what portfolio it was, but the old minister environment, but uh, Minister Lowen at Sheep Week made an announcement and it was kind of groundbreaking, earth shattering, but it, it's uh, the special minister's license and opening up to a 365 day season, which was awesome. I want you to talk about the price, but the, the flip side is the court of public opinion. So now uh national post article that came out, I believe it was uh, two days ago on March 14th, 
quote, Alberta extends big game trophy hunting from three months to year round, <laughs> raising concerns, end quote, which, okay, no worries. Um, it's one freaking tag that raised probably an extra hundred dollars to $150,000 for wild sheep conservation because of it. So how do we tackle these bloody social license issues when it's like in the grand scheme of things? But what it also did is it opened that kind of Pandora's box where it's like somebody paid 350,000 US dollars and this elitist, oh my goodness. So um, obviously it's not your concern. It's not your job to sort of right the ship. And, and it, but how do we combat the social license issue around these issues, something like this? Um, you know, I, I have no problem talking about it. I think in a lot of ways, Kyle, we're way too nice when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, essentially, this is the North American model for conservation. It is hunter paid for conservation. Um, I'm not sure about you guys in BC, but we have yet to get a check from Greenpeace or Greenpeace like groups. Um, it is on the backs of our membership, our hunters, and you know, our partners south of the border that that, you know, buy these tags. Uh, anybody can buy this tag. I mean, obviously, it it sells for the money it does uh, because of who these people are. But we've had plenty of Alberta residents buy this tag in the past. I know several of them. Um, we we also the social license behind it is that we do understand or the, or the government does understand that not everybody can obviously a pay uh, to buy that tag. And so, you know, to offset that, we give uh, the resident the opportunity to buy a $10 raffle tag that, that, uh, that is also another tag that goes out um, to kind of combat that social license that this is an elitist thing. Um, what, you know, since I became the president, you know, and had the ear of a few uh, people that weren't maybe satisfied with what are the, the monies that our tag had been generating in the last few years in comparison with yourselves, Montana, Oregon, um, you know, all, all those tags that are doing so well. Um, you know, we recognize that we weren't meeting the industry standard in a way of offering an extended season. Our extended season was two weeks beyond what the general hunting season was. Um, so, uh hearing these people we approached uh then minister nixon uh i know the afga was was involved in those talks and certainly alberta professional outfitters uh, association was um or society was was front and center there too and uh you know it was brought to their attention that you know um i i believe your tag runs till the end of february is that correct kyle I, I think it's open from any time we have a sheep season open, it's open um, during that period. So I think it's, I, I think it's, I, I, I'm not even going to guess, actually. I, I haven't okay. been lucky enough to draw the thing, to be honest with you, but uh, it's a very long season. It's like April, August 1st, right through to the end. And I'm not sure if it's quite that late, but it's, it's late. Okay. Yeah. And so that was kind of a, you know, we, we said like, if we're going to auction this tag and we're going to say that we're going to kill a bighorn sheep in the name of conservation, we need to make sure that we're maximizing the amount of dollars that we bring in, in doing so it's a due diligence that we really have. Um, you know, nobody's going to, going to, going to have the appetite to do it for, for as cheap as we can. So, so that was, that was kind of the front and center of that argument. Uh, or that discussion, and uh, and I was I was surprised to learn it went 365 days a year. 
I, I think it was the easiest thing for them to do. It really uh, put Alberta front and center on, um, on what this tag really means to conservation. And we certainly saw that in, in Reno when that tag sold um, for $375,000 uh, USD. Um, so it, we've seen a huge jump in all of our tags. Our moose tag sold for 60,000, no, not 60, 30,000. Uh, our mule deer went for 225,000. That's almost 200,000 more than it usually sells for. Um, you know, our elk went really, really well. It, they, and all that money comes back into a pot where, where organizations like ourselves uh, utilize it. You know, last year alone, I think Wild Sheep Foundation Alberta utilized just over $220,000 worth of minister special license funding. Um, it goes into this disease mitigation, the collaring projects, the burn planning, uh, all of it. Yeah, and, and these are like really, really good projects. It doesn't go to, you know, to garbage. It's really, really, really solid projects that are changing the face of conservation. You know, and you look at Wild Sheep Foundation, they auction all those tags every year. And there's controversy because there's a lot of people that don't have two, three, four hundred thousand dollars for a sheep tag. But, you know, like Gray Thornton of the Wild Sheep Foundation talks about is that sheep don't pay their way. A $60 sheep tag doesn't go very far for conservation when you've only got 2,000, 3,000 sheep hunters in the province. You start mm -hmm. adding that up, 60 bucks a tag, 3,000 3, sheep hunters, we're woefully inadequate in our funding. And th this is a really important part of our, our funding model. So, you know, if you're going to take money out of general revenue to support wild sheep, and, and we know in BC, that's not the case here. We we are woefully underfunded, um, certainly compared to other jurisdictions. And that the money has to come from somewhere. And, um, you know, is it a perfect system? But like you said, the North American wildlife management model is based on that. That's how we look after wild sheep. And no one else is stepping up to do it. So we got to do it somehow. Um, and, and it's really, really exciting to see that uh, what happened with Alberta this year. It was inspiring. So Minister Lowen was down at Sheep Week. He showed up. He stood stood up on the stage and he talked about how important these the sheep uh, money is and how important it is. And you guys, was it a record for you guys this year? No, uh, uh, back in the early two thousands was probably when we hit our record, but we're not far off. Right. Um, it's certainly a lot better than it's done in in the past few years. And um, you know, we we've been trying to recognize Alberta. I mean, Alberta, no secret, Cadman was was a big money maker for us for a lot of years. But um, you know, as I've been trying to showcase, you know, like the ram behind me is from Southern Alberta. That's a two hundred nine inch bighorn sheep. Um, when did you shoot that, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I wish that is a replica, but um, it it belongs to Wild Sheep Foundation Alberta and. Um, it's a be beautiful species, but my, I guess my point is, is Alberta just, it isn't just cataman. Those genetics are spread out through the entire province. That opportunity is there from, from, you know, from cataman north all the way down to Waterton. Um, you know, we just had that 204 inch 15 year old ram. Uh, he, I think he shared our provinces and he was, you know, documented to be in Montana. Um, but he called the Waterton National Park home and, and, you know, he, beautiful sheep, huge sheep. 
and uh, you know, we we continue to produce them, mm-hmm. and and so that that's been my biggest thing is is a lot of people will complain that cadmium is is you know over uh, your expectations are are overdeveloped there, but you know I, I most of our minister special license rams have been coming out of southern Alberta in the last few years, so. Hmm. Yeah, right on. Now, just to talk to me. Wild Horse Island has a new world record bighorn, the two sixteen and three eights. I think it was. Were some of those transplanted out of Alberta? Did that did that stock come from out of Alberta? I'm not sure what the story is there. Um, I would love to say yes, but I don't know that our those sheep made it onto Wild Horse Island. I believe more of our Alberta genetics probably made it into your Missouri breaks, okay. or not yours, but the Missouri breaks. Right. Um, yeah, o- over the years though, good topic because I, I mean, Alberta, um, I think somewhere around 812 translocated bighorn sheep over the years. Is that right? Um, eh? That's a that's lot. Right. I think they went to 11 different States and one other province. I wonder um, what province that is. <laughs> yeah. Not Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, and that's the cool part of our wild sheep family too, is, is how we're, we pass the love around, right? Um, you know, somebody needs sheep and if we have an abundance, we'll do what we can. But, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people are like, well, why aren't you guys transplanting sheep? And like, well, we need healthy sourcers um, and we need a healthy destination too. You can't put 25 healthy bighorns into one that's infected or has any chance of infection because uh, it's, yeah, there's zero net gain on that for sure. So Awesome. Okay, what else are we talking about? Uh, so a little controversy there. You got to spice it up a little bit. What else uh, we're going to talk membership? What do you want to talk about? What else is going on in Alberta, Matt? Yeah, I mean we've been continuing to push our membership. Um, you know we're over that 500 life member mark now. You know it wasn't very long ago we were sub 200 life members. So um, we're we're enjoying the the enthusiastic. Uh, you know. Uh, membership that we're seeing come through the door we always want it to be more the more our membership is you know the larger our voice is going to be when it comes to dealing with with issues um and and i don't know we're a darn good time i think so uh membership's always an issue it's always on my mind you know what do they want to hear from us what do they want to see from us and how do we attract new membership and 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 then in in turn hold on to them um, and get them to level up, so to speak. So awesome. So speaking of that, talk to me about skyline. What's going on with that, man? I thought you were saving number one for me and I I understand somebody (laughs) bought it. I'm like, what the heck? So talk about your new elevated membership, you know, life member plus let's talk about it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, yourselves, you have the monarch level, uh, national has their summit level a lot of uh a lot of other organizations kind of have their life member plus if you want to call it that way it's something we've been kicking around for years um on what to do um you know and uh so i think we finally bit the bullet and we we did it it's a it's a two thousand dollar commitment to the uh to the skyline level um Don Stevenson, bless his heart, said, hey, you guys are doing something that that's pretty cool. How about we give him a knife, too? And so Don's partnered with us. Um, You know, you you sign on as a a Skyline member. We're going to give you a plaque to to recognize your efforts. And Don's going to send you a knife um, individually engraved with your 
with your membership number. So, um, so pretty exciting. We, we auctioned off the first, well, essentially four, um, numbers one through four at our banquet. And, um, you know, we're getting some good buzz around it and that'll be, you know, uh, we have a little bit of work to do on the back end just to make sure that we can support it when it goes live, but, but it's set to go live here basically any day and, uh, and be available for purchase of both. Uh, we have a payment plan for it as well as, you know, a one-time payment option as well. So with that, how does it, uh, the, the first four, what did they sell for? Um, they sold for about $2,800 a piece. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so they're not live yet. We can't get anything else just yet. No, I want to buy one real bad, but, um, and I know I have the ability to do it right now, but it probably wouldn't look <laughs> good if I was number five. So I'll wait, wait in line and, uh, I'll let some other people enjoy those low numbers and I'll, I'll humbly, um, watch the, the money come in. So. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, great. And is it a, do you get a charitable receipt with you guys, your charity status? Yeah. 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 There's okay. a charitable receipt that comes with that. Um, the only thing that we have to work around and we're always bumping into, you know, CRA guidelines and AGLC and all the rest of it, we're just going to knock off the cost of the knife and, and you get the rest as a charitable receipt. And that's just the way we have to do it because of being a charity and, and Canada revenue revenue agency. So, okay. but all of our memberships, uh, are, are eligible for a tax receipt. So. So if I want number five, would it cost me 2,800 bucks or what? I just got to be like really quick on the spot. Yeah. I, you know, I know a guy that could help you out. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I told, uh, I told Chambers I was going to monarch or I was going to, if he monarched up, I would skyline up. So I don't, I don't know if he's monarched up yet. He probably has, but I'm definitely, I, I'm sure he will be uh, keen if, if, well, he's forced to, if I buy a, a skyline. He so. is. I mean, you yeah. better leverage him. And you know what? I'll say. I'll say Paul's a man of his word um, this year at Reno. I think, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we really wanted to change how, how our face was at Reno and, and totally reinvent our booth and our interaction with, with people. Um, and so, you know, they give away, well, they don't give them away, but you can get a tattoo in Reno, a wild sheep tattoo in Reno. And so I told the members, uh, like our, our board of directors that if we got 10 in Reno, I would get a wild sheep tattoo. And so, uh, I held up my end of the bargain and I got that tattoo. And this year, Paul put his name forward and said that he would, and Paul followed through. So, uh, so good on him. He's a man of his words. So yeah, we, I taught, I think, I think we sold 22 life members in Reno. And Todd also went and got a, a, a wild sheep tattoo. So the, the love was spread around pretty good. So nice. You're going to start running out of directors to get, if you guys are so successful, you're going to be in trouble here. <laughs> We're going to have sleeve tattoos here soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, Matt, uh, congratulations to you and your team for all the hard work you're doing. It's really, uh, it's, it's tough. I get it with the movie thing and, uh, appreciate the, the transparency and how you guys are getting the word out and, and dialoguing and the hard work you're doing there. And, and if there's anything, like I said, we could do on the, on the Western side of the Rockies, we'd be happy to help out. And, uh, you guys are always quick to support our projects. And if you any, never need any support on the backside, 
uh, we, we're there for you for sure. So um, we all know that sheep don't know the borders exist, right? So Movi wanders in from Alberta to BC. Um, there's nothing stopping them. So um, yeah, I, I don't think anyone's going to argue too hard if we happen to support you guys on something like that. So yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Like I said, it's kind of a developing issue right now. We're kind of waiting for an organized response from the government, what they need from us and where we can be most effective. And then from there, I think we'll probably be reaching out to our partners. So awesome. Uh, any last words about uh, Wild Sheep Foundation, Alberta? We, I think we covered a lot today. We, we got some controversy in there. We should maybe talk board politics. Why don't we do that or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I, these guys are fun. I enjoy our meetings. I, I got you know, to admit uh, we're having a pretty good time over at Wild Sheep Alberta right now. And I think it shows, right? Uh, we, uh, we hang out together outside of, outside of work hours, if you want to call it that. And, and uh I don't know. There's always a high five or a drink being cheers somewhere. So right on, um, man. you bet. Right on. Well, that, uh, you know, one thing to that note is I've never seen our wild sheep family stronger than it is now. And, you know, we're under that umbrella of the wild sheep foundation and, and all our chapter and affiliates. And it just feels like, you know, you're a life member here in BC. I'm a member out there in Alberta and, and so many people are like that. And we really get the big picture. We're all, we're in this together and anything we can do to support one another. That's, uh, that's amazing. So, um, congratulations Absolutely. to you and your team and thank you for, for chatting with us today, Matt. Awesome. Thanks Kyle. And, and right back at you, you know, I think our board models, a lot of stuff that's coming out of BC. So, uh, you guys should be proud of that as well. Awesome.